invite you to turn to James chapter 5 as we close out our journey through the book of James. I will be honest with you, as we got into the uh, season of doing everything with nobody in the room, I was like, will we ever finish James? And now we're at the end of James, and I'm like, are you sure there's not a sixth chapter? Like, is there not another? Is there one that I just missed that somebody took out of my Bible? And so we, we gather today to continue our, our journey as James closes out this book. One of the things that's very interesting about James as he closes out his letter is he doesn't say goodbye. If you, ever, you notice whenever you read Paul's stuff, he's like, oh, you're a faithful servant in Christ, Paul, or tell all the saints I said hi, Paul. James just says, period. That's the end. He's not fluffy. I've already told you, James doesn't pull punches. He likes to get straight to the point. In the last two weeks, we have talked about prosperity. We've talked about patience. And today, we're going to talk about prayer. And let me just go ahead and get this out there. As I've prepared this week, as I've prepared, actually for the whole time we've walked through James, I've, I've said this to myself, there's one thing that the church today, and I'm not speaking specifically about Grandview, I'm talking about the church today has stopped doing, is biblical prayer. Now, I'm not going to say people don't pray, but biblical prayer. I feel like often our prayer time is more complaint time than it is prayer time. I'm not getting any testifying on that, I can see. But that's what I hear so often as people pray. It's not so much about how great God is and about how badly we need Him. It's about how bad everybody else is and how much God needs us. Can I tell you, that's backwards. And as we get into this today, I want to assure you this. If you don't understand how to pray when we get done today, I want you to come meet with me. I will walk you through it. You know let me tell you, it's really easy. You open your mouth and you tell God about your day. And then you shut your mouth and you listen to God tell you what to do. You know why we have such a hard time with prayer? Because we have such a hard time either dominating a conversation or not saying anything at all. <laughs> Y'all know those people, right? Am I the only person that knows those people? Am I the only one because I am those people? <clears throat> I, I talk a lot, right? I, I, but you know, what we have to understand is that a conversation with God is not always just about talking. At times, it's about listening. So as we dive into this today, I want to give you this quote that, that I found from, from Dr. Tony Evans, who's, again, one of my favorite people. This is what he says. He says, the things in your house work because of electricity. Electricity is an invisible power that gives you visible privileges. It turns on your lights. It turns the TV on. It turns the toaster on. It turns your oven on. All the stuff that is working in your house is because you've got one invisible power shooting through called electricity. But none of these things work 
even though they have access to electricity, unless you flip on the switch. You've got to make a connection between the stuff and the power. Every believer in Jesus Christ has stuff that works. But it doesn't work unless you connect it to the power of prayer. See, prayer is like electricity because it empowers us by connecting us to the source. See, if we desire to see change in this world, we're going to find it through prayer. And can I tell you, we're going to find it on our knees. I had a pastor that I served with many, many years ago that said, if a church is not changing its carpet at the altar every year, that church is not praying enough. I don't know how long it's been here because I haven't been here but for five and a half months. But I have a feeling it has it's been longer than a year. Now, this is not an attack. <laughs> You're like, yes, it is. No, it's not. But it's a call to prayer. It's a call to connect ourselves back. The early church would have never thought that prayer would become an issue. But James reassures us today that it's time for us to reconnect ourselves with the power of prayer. I want to invite you to stand today as we read the word of the Lord starting in verse 13 of James 5. Verse 13 reads this way. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three Years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Father, today as, as we study this, this idea of prayer, God, as we look at what it means to, to pray and to, and to contact that, that power, God, that you have available for us, God, will we be driven today not just to pray, but be driven to pray fervently? God, will we be driven to pray, as Paul says, without ceasing? God, if we want to see the change that we keep claiming we want to see in this world, then we've got to bring ourselves to prayer. So Father, today, would you use your word to motivate us, to move us, how to make us pray like Jesus. 
It's in that name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. I asked myself this morning before I left the house, would my voice make it through? <clears throat> so I ask you to pray now that my voice makes it through. All right? Can, we do, can you just all in agreement say amen? All right. Praise the Lord. See, what makes these passages so vital today as we close out is that sometimes we, we've heard the saying that they save the best for last. I think James was saving this for the end because he knew that they would have struggles. He talks about, oh, you're going to struggle. You're going to have trials and tribulations. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to go through moments where you've been cheated and stepped on and stomped on. And he says, all these things are going to happen. And so I want you to recognize they're going to happen. How do we live through it? Prayer. How do we get through those moments of, of pandemic and panic and, and anxiety? How do we make it through those moments? Prayer. See, this is something that's so important as each pastor has to understand this in their life. When we bring something to you, and we can't bring a message to you that we haven't first had to look at and apply to ourselves. And so here's James, a man who has faced many battles, who has lived through many trials and many tribulations, and he comes to the end and he says, you know how I survived? Prayer. In fact, an old church historian named Eusebius said this. He said this about James. He was in the habit of entering the temple alone. See, even when nobody else would go pray, James would go pray. He says he was often found on bended knees, interceding for the forgiveness of others in the temple. So he was on his knees so often that they became hard like a camel's. Have you ever seen a camel's knees? I know we got camels wandering all around Iowa. Got one in the backyard. But camel's knees are some ugly things, and they're swollen, they're massive. It says that he was, his knees were as hard as camels. In consequence of his habitual prayer and kneeling before God, James had a nickname. It was Old Camel Knees. Isn't that a loving nickname? You know, I get nicknames like Baldy and that kind of stuff. Hey, camel knees. Guys, do not try that out with your wives. Won't work. But I, I just the reality is that the, the things that we should have in common with James is, is our knees should pop because we're down praying so much. I, I don't know about you, I got bad knees. But when I squat down, pop. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. The reality is that we should be in prayer that much that it hurts to get up and down. This should be a constant habit that we're going, oh, oh, oh. Used to love it at church and we'd have a call to the altar and it was over, you'd hear grunting. Not because we were out of shape, but because your knees were, were hurting because you'd been in that position of prayer for so long. Church, I just want to ask you a question. Do we want to change our world for Christ? Do you want to see souls saved? Do you want to see pews filled with social distancing? And I can't tell you, it doesn't, it doesn't start with, with a preacher. 
doesn't start with the worship team. It doesn't start with a children's ministry or a youth ministry. Or it doesn't start with any of those things. It starts in prayer. How do I know that? So glad you asked that question. Because we're going to look at that today. First thing I want us to see today as we talk about unlocking the power of prayer is this. Is in all situations, pray and praise. In all situations, pray and praise. Verses 13 through 15, James says this. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the power of prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, that he will be forgiven. James starts his section calling people to two areas that the church desperately needs to improve in. Prayer and praise. Prayer. Look, when we, when we talk about prayer requests, I know that everything's, we're not always comfortable mentioning our prayer requests when I call for them. But if there's a praise in your life, man, let's celebrate those things. Let's lift them up. What's really funny is James asked this question after he comes to him in chapter 1 and says, Hey, trials and tribulations, you're all going to have them. You're all going to suffer. All things, everybody's going to go through bad times. And then he comes back and says, Is anybody suffering? Uh, it's like, duh, you just told us we were going to, so then you ask us if we are. I, I just gonna, just by a show of hands, we're going to do this. Anybody suffering today? Anybody? Okay. Can I tell you, you're not alone. But can I tell you what the answer is? Pray. It seems really simple, right? We kind of overuse that sometimes, don't we? Oh, you're, you're sure. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. Or my favorite is, I'll pray for you, and then you never remember what happened. Some of you are like, I never do that. There's a time of confession at the end of service. It's okay. But the reality is this, is James says, if you're struggling, the answer is as simple as Pray. If you're facing times of trials and tribulations, seek help from the Father, not from everybody else. Now, can other people help you in your trials and tribulations? Yes, God equips people to do that. But you better pray first. You better pray first. I, 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 I used this quote last night on social media, and I'm going to use it again today. In the words of the great theologian M.C. Hammer, sometimes you got to pray just to make it today. Right? You got to pray. Pray. Sorry. I have no voice to sing it today. But that's the, the reality is James is coming to them. He says, listen, you've got to pray. And when do we tend to pray the hardest? In times of struggle. In times of difficulty. Prayer life, you got to imagine your prayer life, when everything's great, you're just like, I don't need to pray. But when stuff get, time gets tough, oh, that's when you start praying. Can we just recognize if we prayed during the good times as hard as we do during the bad times, we probably wouldn't have as many bad times. Right? 
If we were praying as much as a church before we came to this situation where the whole country's falling apart, can I tell you, we probably wouldn't be as divided as we are. Because instead of praying about somebody else, we'd be praying for God's kingdom to come and for his spirit to fill us. But see, I hear people say when, it, when times get difficult and they've gone through lots of struggles and lots of trials, they said, Pastor, I just don't feel like praying anymore. I just don't think it's doing anything. Can, can I just tell you that the, that's from the devil? The devil is telling you your prayers aren't doing anything. But can I tell you, when you pray, your father hears. And he is responding. See, we've missed, we've missed some stuff about Christianity. We think that all of Christianity is right here. We forget that there's a whole other spiritual plane. That a battle is being fought for your soul every single day. See, that's when Paul says, we don't fight with each other. We fight against the prince of the power of the air. We fight against spiritual principalities. As we pray, we have to recall this, that, that the least we can do is pray. The least we can do is pray. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, not to pray because you don't feel fit to pray is like saying, I'm not going to take medicine because I'm just too sick. Pray for prayer. Pray yourself by the Spirit's assistance into a praying frame. Has anybody ever done that? You, your headache's just too bad. I just won't take anything. I just, my headache's just too bad. No. That's nonsense. And to say, well, I'm just not going to pray because I just don't feel like it. That's what you need to pray the most. When you don't feel like having a conversation with your father, then you need to talk to him more. See, after James says all this stuff, he says, you should pray. You should pray when you're suffering. He says, you know what else you should do? You should pray when you're having a good time. See, we not only pray in the valley, but we got to pray on the mountaintops. He says, is anybody uh, full of cheer? Is anybody cheerful? You should praise. Guess what praise is? It's happy prayer. <laughs> it's happy prayer because you're just conversing with God. Any of you have something just magnificent happen in your life and you get home and, and your spouse or your kids are like, hey, how was your day today? And you don't tell them anything about what good happened? You, you just keep all, you just, I'm just going to tell you all the negative stuff. No. Something good happens. Listen, some of you have a good meal somewhere and you're like, the best thing ever happened to me today. But we don't, we don't go to God and say, God, can I just tell you, today was great, thank you. See, we often think that prayer is just about a list of things that are wrong. Prayer is not just a list of things that are wrong. Prayer is talking to God. It's a conversation with your best friend. It's a conversation with your heavenly Father. It is a conversation with your Creator James is saying, listen, listen, something good happens, pray. Something bad happens, pray. So guess what you should always be doing? Praying. Pray without ceasing. Hello. I used to laugh at Rachel. I can do, say this today because she's not here. We'd drive around the Walmart parking lot for 20 minutes looking for a close parking spot. That's only when she's driving. When I'm driving, I park in the first one I can find. 
She's driving around. She's driving around. I said, Rachel, can we just park? She said, I'm praying for God to give me a closer parking space. The moment she confessed that, car backs out. I'm like, praise Jesus. The reality, though, is that nothing is too small to pray about. I know this is comical. We laugh about that. But there's nothing too small to pray about. Because in your intimacy with your father, you want to tell him what's going on. You want to have that conversation to share your desires, to share your delights, to let him know, hey, God, this is great. Does it always work that way? Is life always great? No. See, what James is really just saying to people is go to God with all things. I'm going <clears> to <throat> just ask a couple of questions. You don't have to respond. You can respond in your heart. Are you hurting today? Are you celebrating? Are you worried? Are you anxious? Are you blessed? Are you thankful? Are you sick? Are you broken? Are you scared? Are you succeeding? See, whatever's happening in life, whatever it is, pray. We have a tendency to use God as our last resort. Why would you not go directly to the power source? You don't try to plug a lamp up and run around the house trying to say, well, I'll just I'll plug it into the shower. I'll, I'll, I'll plug it into the, <clears throat> into the microwave. You plug it directly to the power source. So why do we run around trying to find fulfillment and everything else instead of going directly to the one who can fix it? Again, I'm so glad you asked that question. Because I think that we've turned prayer into ritual. We've turned prayer into something that we only practice in church. We've turned prayer into a rehearsed speech and we've limited the power that prayer contains see verse 14 and 15 really speak to the power of prayer because it says if someone's sick let them call together other people to pray See, when he speaks of sickness here, though, I want us to understand he's not talking just about the flu or COVID or cancer. He is speaking about a different depth to sickness. We're not talking about just a physical sickness. We're talking about an emotional sickness. We're talking about spiritual sickness. We're talking about family sickness. This idea here where he says sickness, he's not just talking about a cough. Because we have to recognize that the greatest sickness in this world is not cancer. I hate cancer. I don't say I hate things very often. I hate cancer. But can I tell you this? That's not the greatest sickness in our world. The greatest sickness in our world is a sin sickness. And James is addressing this. He says, listen, we've got to come together to pray over the sick. See, that's when it gets a little tender. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk about my sickness. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But see, he says we need to call together the people who can pray 
and pray over the sick. It does point out something that is very important for us to recognize. It says, let the one who's sick call together the people to pray. This puts a little bit of responsibility on you and me. That when we're struggling with something, when we're battling something, when we're in agony and pain over whether it be a physical illness or a spiritual illness or a, a psychological illness, that we call together somebody to pray over us instead of just saying, I got this. One of the worst things we've tried to do in this country is become self-sufficient. Instead of recognizing we need one another. And he says, James says, it's not the responsibility of the, of the elders to, to just walk up to somebody and go, do you need prayer? <laughs> because we could scare a lot of folks that way. <laughs> I'm going to try that next time I go to Walmart. Or maybe the responsibility is on us that are hurting to go to those and say, I need prayer. See, asking for prayer from, from another person tells them this, that we are needy. See, every 12-step process has that, right? You start off with, I'm messed up, I'm broken, I'm an addict. You always have to start with recognition of your shortcomings. Why would God not have the same requirements? That we recognize we're broken, that we recognize that we're sick, that we recognize we need someone. See, there's no need or no battle that's too small. There's no need or too battle that's too big. That prayer cannot ha handle. Ephesians 6 8 says this pray at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. See, this call in verse 14 is a double-edged challenge. It's a challenge to those who are hurting to finally confess and admit, I need prayer. But it's also a challenge to people like myself, the pastors and the elders of the church. Because you understand the power of prayer and power that's needed to heal people who are sick. That's not just something you go over them and go, Lord, heal them and walk away. There is a depth that is required for that. And I just want to say it. We've got to step to that role. I'm speaking directly to my elders for the moment and myself. We have to step to the role of being qualified to pray over the sick. See, we've got to be willing and recognize the role that we're intended to play within the body and be ready to live holy lives, to be prayed up, to be studied up, and to have a faith that can move mountains. See, if I'm wallowing around in the world's pleasures, I can't go to God and say, hey, God, I know I'm really jacked up at the moment, but can you just do, use me? See, God wants to use clean, pure vessels. Can he use broken people? Oh, you better believe it. He does every day. But they have to be people who are trying to align themselves with the Father. See, James tells us that a prayer for the sick will bring healing. But see, James understands what many of us struggle to accept. The healing is not always physical. And healing is not always here on earth. See, James proclaims the sick will find healing. And sometimes that healing is in eternity. See, the desired effect is that people who are unwell would become well. And if sin is your sickness, repentance 
is the cure. We've got to recognize that we must be a people of prayer. See, the desired effect is that when people who are unwell are prayed over, that they'll become well and repent, which leads us to understanding, though, how we get to that point. And that's the second thing we see today is that prayers of confession bring forgiveness. Verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. See, James transitions into into one of the methods that must be used. He says that prayer is a necessity, but we have to confess that we have a need for prayer. I mean, look, there's an entire world religion based on your need to confess to a priest to be forgiven. Can I tell you, you have a high priest who sits on the throne, and we need to confess to him what we've done. We need to confess to him our shortcomings. See, within the Baptist circle, we've forgotten what confession means. I would say that confession is almost a dirty word sometimes in the Baptist church because we go, well, that's what, them, that's what those Catholics do. We, we're not going to do that. We've got to understand there's a biblical call to confession. James says we need to confess our sins to one another, but we must start with our confession of sin to the Lord. James, I mean John, 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. See, confession brings freedom. How many times have you had anxiety over something you've hidden from somebody else? Or maybe anxiety over some words you said to somebody else. You're like, oh, I hope they don't find out. Oh, they they can't. If they find out, then then the relationship is over. Or maybe you've done something. Or maybe it's something that happened at work and you've hidden something. And you're like, "Oh, oh, I just can't because then it would ruin me. Listen, confession is good for the soul. It's the best way to receive forgiveness from others. Confession is required to receive forgiveness from the Lord. Confession is necessary for repentance. You've got to be willing to admit that you're a sinner. You can't repent from sin that you want to acknowledge you've, com- you've committed. See, our confession needs to be specific, too. Can I just tell you that when we go to God in prayer and we're like, God, forgive us of, the, of our sins. He already knows all your sins. What are you hiding from him? We need to be willing to confess specifically. Lord, Lord, forgive me of my, of my hatred or forgive me of the words I said today or, or how I treated my, my children or forgive me for, for how I acted at work or forgive me for the words I said when I hit my thumb with the hammer. You've got to be willing to confess these things specifically. And see, the, the struggle gets into when we talk about confessing to one another. <laughs> because I believe the reason we've struggled with this is because we feel like we're putting somebody else on a pedestal and we're kicking ourselves. We don't want anybody to know about our own deep, dark struggles, do we? That's why we hide them away in the closet. What do you do when somebody comes over? Well, somebody, maybe you're not like my family. Maybe we're just the weird ones. <clears throat> So we get a phone call, somebody's coming over, man, we start taking stuff and throwing it in the closet, sliding it under the, under the, the couch and, and hiding it. Just last night, we were cleaning up from Christmas. We just took our Christmas trees down last night. 
and I found a uh, candy wrapper that one of our kids had stuffed underneath the tree skirt. So we're not alone then. Glad to see you now all confessing that we're like this too. But see, when people come over, we want to hide our imperfections. We want to say, no, you can't see this. Can I just go ahead and let you know, I want to say this with all love in my heart, you're not perfect. Neither is this guy. And so we got to understand that if we're going to confess that we're not perfect, then maybe we need to be vulnerable with one another for a moment. We want to post online everything we're upset about, so why can't we talk to somebody else face-to-face? Oh, oh, preacher, that's a little different. I can be a keyboard warrior. No, we need to be willing to confess to one another face-to-face. That's called intimacy. That's called the body of Christ being one. See, our willingness to lay ourselves bare before the Lord and before other people, see, we've got to realize that, that that's not... That's not a a weakness. That's boldness. We talk about being messy, right? That's the the saying I heard the moment I walked through the door. We're messy people. Then let's bear the mess together. Let's be willing to carry the mess together and to say, you know what? We're not perfect people, but we have a perfect Savior and we're all running to Him. Some of the sins you struggle with might be the things that I can help you with. And maybe some of the sins I struggle with, you can help me with. See, we're, we're called to be together through this process. And we need one another. There's something powerful about when people pray together. Look, you can pray by yourself all day long, and I hope you do. I hope you got a prayer closet, and you're on your knees, and they pop every time you get up, and you grunt like you're 180 years old. There's something special about brothers and sisters uniting together to pray over something. The Lord says two or more. Oh, when they pray it, it's done. (laughs) It's done on earth as it is in heaven. But see, we've got to be willing to intercede for each other. That's the third part today, prayer of intercession brings healing prayers of intercession bring healing just want to share a story real quickly and it's a it's a tender story you know just a little over a month ago we lost one of our own went to be with the lord Eric had just come back to being a regular part of the church. Had just plugged himself into being a part of the worst team. It was so exciting to see him up there. But can I tell you, the best moment I had with him was not even my moment at Walmart. But a moment where he asked me if I would pray for him. And it was after... I finally had got to hear his story and hear his redemption that God had been producing in his life. And he asked me one day right back there where he and Pastor Tom usually sat. He was having some health issues and he said, would you just pray for me? And that moment that I was allowed to pray for him, it didn't necessarily, I don't think, healed him. You know who it healed? (laughs) 
think it healed me. Because part of interceding for one another is bombarding the throne room of God, saying, God, we have to have your presence. And see, interceding is not this. Interceding is not, is not praying for someone to be who you want them to be. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> I, I know nobody does that but me. But the reality is that when we intercede for one another, he says this, James says, pray for one another that you would find healing. See, this is, this is the reality to where we understand that there's, there's so many things when we intercede for somebody else, what we are doing is we are saying, God, not our will, but your will. What we are saying to him is, God, would you use this person the way you want to use this person? But we have a tendency to say, God, would you just make them act like they need to act? When often that's how you think they should act. See, the prayer of intercession brings healing. And what we see here is this becomes a mutual connection between brother and sister in Christ that we are reaching towards each other and reaching towards God. See, when we begin to have intercession for people, we begin to have empathy. We begin to recognize what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes. And can I tell you, to pray for someone, I want to encourage you, and I, I fall short at this sometimes, I want to encourage you, when someone says, would you pray for me, why don't you just stop right then and pray for them? And I confess, like, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, I fall short a lot of times in that moment to do that. But can I just say, what better way to handle it than handle it right then? To intercede with one another. See, so much of our prayer life is centered on ourselves, and it's very selfish. I just want to confess, we're very selfish in our prayer lives. When we pray for someone else, it gives us a renewed perspective. My favorite prayer in all of Scripture is the high priestly prayer in John 17. You don't have time to read it right now, so I just encourage you, write it down. I think it's in your notes for today. John 17. In, that, in those 26 verses, in those 26 verses, 21 of those verses, Jesus is praying for the disciples and for you and me. There's 26 verses in that chapter, 21 of them, he's praying for you and me. The first five, he's giving glory to God and even asking nothing for himself. How magnificent would it be if our prayer lives were more focused on God and others than on ourselves? How magnificent would it be? Jesus is there praying for unity. He's praying for protection. Do you, do you know people like that? That pray for, for so many other folks? See, I believe that if Jesus was praying for us, then we should be praying for us. Jesus was praying for you and me long ago. We should be praying for somebody else too. And even to this day, Jesus intercedes for us. The fourth one I want to see is, the, and it's just a statement, how great is the power of God when it comes to prayer? How great is the power of prayer? Now, I know some of you are sitting there and go, well, Pastor Wade, I don't pray real well. Right? Some of you are, I know some of you are saying it in your heads and your hearts. You're probably writing it down. I don't know how to pray right. Jesus says that the, the faith of a child is how we should come. Have you heard children pray? Oh, I love it. I'm going, I don't see my son in the room at the moment, so I'm going to tell you how he used to pray. He would pray for, for everybody 
He thanked God for our day, prayed for everybody he possibly could. And then he would say this statement. Now, this is when he's like three, four years old. He'd say, thank you for my sin. Now, I know you're hitting that going. You did not teach that kid to pray right. But can I tell you the innocence of a child's prayer? He may have said, God, thank you for my sin. But God knew what his heart was saying. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for sending your son for my sin. See, that's the reality, is you don't have to have some powerful, fluffy prayer. I used to always laugh. We had a guy that was uh, a a former pastor at one of the churches I served at, and he would always pray in King James. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Father, how great thou art. Mm -hmm. Thou art magnificent. And and he just prayed in these amazing prayers. And then I was... 20 years old and, and as, a, as a student pastor at a church of about 1,500 people. And they asked me to pray to start our service. And I got there and prayed. And afterwards, he said, son, you don't pray good. what I do? You told God his name too much. You kept saying, God, 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 God in your prayers. That's just talking. See, it doesn't, that how you pray isn't necessarily as important as who you're praying to. And the faith behind that prayer. It's not about fluffy flower language. Max Licato, the Christian author, says this. He says, our prayers may be awkward at times. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one that says it, our prayers make a difference. It's not about you. Contrary to what the world has said today, it's not about you. And see, James gets that point across. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. See, we always miss that part. We focus on the fact that Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years, but we miss this part. Elijah was a man just like you. He was a human being just like you. You know what? He put his uh, sandals on one foot at a time. He put his cloak on over his head, through his arms, just like you would. He wasn't anything special other than this. He believed when he prayed, God would do it. Is that the kind of prayers we have? See, he says, look, three and a half years, he's just a human, he's weak, he's messed up, he's imperfect, but because he was faithful, because he sought God's righteousness, his prayers had great power. You imagine if it didn't rain for three and a half years here in Iowa. We'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? River would go away. Farms would shut down. We'd be in a whole heap of trouble. I'm sure there are those of you that are praying that it doesn't snow for the next three and a half years. I'm praying against you. But see, there's power in prayer. Not because there's power in me and you, but because there's power in God. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says, because of your little faith. So for truly, I say to you, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain. You could say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it would go because nothing would be impossible for you. See, Jesus said all we need to do to truly tap into the power of prayer is to believe and have the faith that God can do it. Hebrews eleven six, 
writer says this, but without faith it's impossible to please God. I believe at times our prayer lacks the power we desire because we lack the faith to believe God is able. Just think about it. Do you remember when you prayed the first time to receive Christ? That was a prayer of faith. That was a prayer of believing that God could take someone from death to life. We have to recognize the power that is contained by God. See, where would we be without just a little faith in our prayers? What's the purpose of this power? Verse 19 through 20 tells us the purpose of this power. It says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We have to understand this. The purpose of the power that God gives us is not to bless you, but the possibility to bless other people. The possibility to see other people rescued from this terrible place and terrible thing known as sin. See, James closes the book with reminding us of this power of prayer. He says that it can bring a person back into right relationship with God. And I love this. He says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. (laughs) As if he's to say, if anybody sins, this is how you bring them back. And see, this idea of sinning here, it's not just, oh, I committed a sin and, and God's good, I need to repent. It's actually the, the real way, place we get the word backsliding from. Y'all know that word in Iowa? I know it's a big one in the South. Backslidden. If somebody's backsliding, the idea to backslide is that you have trusted Christ, you have given your life to Him, you've said, I surrender, and then all of a sudden you go, nah, I kind of like doing things my way. And he says, you want to see somebody rescued from that? Then you have to pray for them. We're not talking about redemption. We're talking about revival. That somebody would be renewed in Christ. Not that they would all of a sudden come to faith, but a lost sheep who's walked away that needs to be brought back. We all know somebody like that, right? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one that needs to get back in that right relationship. Maybe you're the one that needs to, to hit your knees in prayer. But see, Galatians 6.1 tells us this. says, brothers, if anybody's called in transgression, you who are spiritual, restore them. Bring them back. And we're not talking about throwing stones. We're talking about throwing a rope. Rescue. See, that's the power of prayer. You want to see people rescued? Pray. Believe. You know, I hear people say all the time, well, Pastor, when I pray, I feel like my prayers are just hitting the ceilings. Can I tell you the, per- the problem with that is you've got unconfessed sin. That's why your prayers are not effective because you've got unconfessed sin. Anybody ever had that struggle? You feel like, oh, I'm praying and it's just hitting the ceiling. Oh, two or three of us are willing to confess we're sinners. It's okay. I love you. But that's the problem. It's because we've got unconfessed sin that we want, we want to hold on to and we want to see people saved, then maybe we got to start with ourselves. Asking God to fix us, to maybe redeem us, to draw us back to the place 
where we first were when we were on our knees praying for him to redeem and rescue us from the pits of hell. Thank you for your prayers to make it through with my voice. We survived. But we're not done. I'm going to ask Wyatt to come up and play for a few moments. Church, if you haven't caught this pattern, for the last couple of weeks I've been walking on Wednesdays, those of you that are watching our Wednesday in the Word series, been walking through the Lord's Prayer. And then today we talked about prayer. And hopefully by Easter I will be able to present to you a prayer ministry plan to pray during our services. Developing an idea of possibly creating a new prayer closet within the church building. Working through all these ideas because can I tell you, we are a people that are to be a people of prayer. God says that his house is to be a house of prayer. We have a prayer ministry that normally meets on Thursdays. COVID put it on pause. Weather put it on pause. I want to invite you to join on Thursdays in B12. No, B12. I was thinking B12 is a vitamin. <laughs> in B12. To join a group there to pray. And that's a beautiful time of prayer. I've experienced it many times myself, just to be gathered together, lifting up our hearts to the Lord. But today, as we close this service, I want you to, I want you to take time tonight and today, not tonight, today, to pray. We're going to close with just a time of prayer. But here's what we're going to do. I want you, if, if you're comfortable, if you're willing to take some steps today to, to follow the commands we just read in James. Maybe today you're a person who's struggling. Maybe today you're a person who's cheerful and you're just excited and you're like, preacher, hurry up, I'm hungry. Or maybe you're sick. I want to invite you today to, to come to the altar to pray. Now, I know, I know right away, I've had discussions about it before. Preacher, I don't like coming to the altar because everybody can see me. <laughs> Who cares? Because <laughs> we've already all confessed, right, that we're messy and messed up people. Nobody's perfect. I've already told you that. I know you, some of you are mad at me and trying to vote me out already because I said you're not perfect. But if we're willing today to be a body of Christ that says, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters who are hurting, or maybe I'm hurting and I need my brothers and sisters to pray for me. I want to invite you to the altar. Wyatt's going to play over us. Maybe you've got a praise that you just want to tell us before we start our time of prayer. Do that. And you'll go, preacher, I'm uncomfortable. What are you afraid of? These are your brothers and sisters. And we're all equal footing. At the cross. I invite you during this time. Wyatt as you start to pray. I'm going to pray over our people. And if you want to come. The altar's open. I do ask that we 
keep a social distancing in our prayer. But this, I want to invite you to the altar. Father God, would you just cover your people today in your spirit? God, would you just remind us, Lord, that we cannot just sit back and be satisfied. Lord, that we are called to be a people of prayer. And we quote this all the time where we shout from the rooftops. The Second Chronicles tells us that if, that if your people would humble themselves and pray, that you would heal our land. God, if we would turn from our wretched sin and we would seek you, Father, with all of our hearts and all of our might, that you would heal our families. God, that you would restore within us this, this desire for you. So, Father, today, would you just move us to a place and a posture of prayer? God, whether it be on our knees or on our feet in celebration and praise of, of your goodness. Father, I confess today that I need you every hour. God, I confess to you that as, as a pastor of these people, I need your guidance. I need your spirit to lead. I need your vision to be cast, not my own. Father, today I want to lift up those who are sick at home. God, I want to lift up those who are broken I want to lift up those who today don't know up from down and left from right because God their world's been so shaken I don't want to lift up those today who are depressed or full of hurtful thoughts God I want to lift up today those who are anxious about what tomorrow holds God would you let them know that you hold tomorrow Father, I pray for the lost. God, the lost today that, that are wandering in darkness. God, I, I want to praise you for the victories we've seen. God, I want to praise you for the lives that have been won. And God, I want to praise you for the, the eight baptisms we've already had this church year. God, I want to praise you for the families that you are restoring. God, I want to praise you, Father, for, for all of the mighty works that you're doing that we can't even see right now. Father, we praise you that you killed and defeated sin on the cross. God, we want to praise you that you're returning soon. God, we want to praise you. God, for each breath that we take. Lord, I challenge your people today to be a people on our knees. Father, would it be true of this church that the carpet needs to be replaced because we've been tearing it up at the altar?
Father, we close out this time today of worship trusting, believing that these prayers made today have reached your heart. Father, we ask that we would be satisfied with your response. Father, we know that you have what's best and we trust and believe in your name. Father, today we know that some things have been prayed for that have been small some things that have been big. And God, I claim the promise of your word that if we had just the faith of a mustard seed, we could see mountains move. Church, what is that mountain today that stands before you? Claim it in faith. He is able. He is able. And all God's people claim together. Amen. Church, be safe as you exit today. God bless you. Love you. Have a great day.